I think typically, uh, as whether I was here on staff for 11 years or uh, when we had come back and, or before we left, it was always a very missions-related sermon, which is probably what you would uh, expect, but that's not what I'm going to share today. A couple of weeks ago, we were still in Thailand, and I was going through just the Gospels in my devotion time, and I found myself at the end, uh, towards the end of the Gospel of Mark, and um, a word popped up that Christ used. And it caught my attention because it popped up again and again and again and again. And so that set me kind of on a, on a journey or on a quest. Like where else does the Lord or do the gospel writers use this word in, in the gospel? So I'm going to primarily be in the gospel of Mark. But what I learned as I started looking into this and researching this, there's actually three different uh, Greek words, but they're all very similar to one another. And they're so similar, in fact, that sometimes our English Bibles will translate them the same. So, um, so this is what we're going to be looking at uh, today. The first word uh, is typically translated see or look or, be attent or pay attention or to be on guard. Almost all three of these words can be translated be on guard, which is why that's the, I had to pick one of the English translations and that's what it was, but be on guard. The second word is translated to be aware or be attentive to something. And the third word is translated be on the alert, be vigilant, be watchful. Toward the end of his earthly life, uh, Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples and he uses these three words. And in fact, the closer he gets to the cross, the more he uses these words. That's what we see uh, in, at least in the gospel of Mark. As Christians, we are the church, but Christ is the head of the church. Amen? As Christians, we are servants of Christ, but he is the master. Amen? So if he tells us to pay attention, if he tells us to be on guard, if he tells us to be vigilant, to do something, we would be foolish to ignore him. But that is exactly what we see. We see him um, making this effort to draw his disciples' attention, disciples' attention to do some specific things. As I look at these three words, I think they kind of grow in intensity. Like, you know, look, there's a pair of glasses on the floor, right? Or pay attention, there's some glasses on the floor. Or be attentive not to step on those glasses. Or be vigilant to pick up the glasses that are still on the floor. <laughs> Thank you, Selah. So you see what I'm saying? Like, in my mind, at least, these words are growing in their intensity. And so another example, uh, that, you know, that very common like child with the hot stove, right? You know, look to see whether the stove is hot. No, that's a really gentle kind of like nudge from the parent about, you know, not touching the stove. But the, if the parent says, pay attention because the stove is hot, they already know, they're already wanting that child to pay attention, they're making a concerted effort to draw that focus. 
But if the parent says, be vigilant not to touch the hot stove. Would anyone in here think that the parent is being harsh or mean? No. Because the parent knows what's best for the child. The parent wants to draw the child's focus to something that is going to be dangerous for him or her. And the parent has the child's best interest at heart. But that is what we see. We see this um, intensity as Christ is speaking. One more example, all right? Take a look at your homework. Because I've seen your homework and your homework's not great, right? So take a look at your homework. Or pay attention when you do your homework. Make sure you don't miss a step. Versus be vigilant to get this done well. So we have these three things, or these three words that kind of work together. They kind of have a similar meaning, but they kind of grow in their intensity. So our three points for this morning is number one, pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. Number two is going to be be on guard about the end times. And number three is to be vigilant in prayer. So let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I just thank you that we have been able to, even just for this Sunday, to come and be a part of our home church, be part with our church family, to get hugs and get smiles and to hear about what you've been doing in their lives over the last couple of years, to be encouraged by the body of Christ, to be uplifted by the body of Christ, and to be in your presence together. To be here on a Sunday where we get to share communion with our church family. Lord, what a blessing. And Father, as we turn our attention to your word, may your spirit give grace. May your spirit give um, insight. Or may we have each one open minds, open hearts, open ears for your message. In Christ's name, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Mark chapter four, because this is the first time where Christ is saying, hey, look, look at this. And so in Mark chapter four, Verse 24, Jesus is giving some short parables here in this chapter. Jesus says to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. So pay attention, be observant, take note of what is being taught. Be discerning, take heed. Why? Because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then more as well. More will be added. So if you listen to something, if you are hearing something, let's say a gallon's worth of information, that is what you are going to be receiving. You will receive a gallon's worth of information. You will hear a gallon's worth. But even more because of what that information or what you heard will be doing in your life. It will have an impact on you. So with what you pay attention, it will be added back, it will be um, supplied back to you and then more so. So pay attention to what you hear. Take heed of what or of whom you are listening. So this morning we should pause and we should ask ourselves, to whom am I listening? Who are the voices in my life that I allow to speak into my life. Because these voices that we allow into our lives, 
it's this wisdom and their opinions and their perspectives that we allow into our heads and into our hearts. These voices are what is going to be shaping us, shaping our perspectives, and ultimately shaping our faith. So by whom am I being discipled? Because make no mistake, the voices that we allow into our lives are the voices that transform us. And Romans says in 8.29, we should be conformed to the image of Christ. 12.2 says we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So what is it that we are allowing in? Pay attention to what you hear, Christ says. Pay attention to whom you're listening. You may be familiar with that, the idea of that Facebook and YouTube, these social media platforms, they use algorithms that you will start to receive on your screen the things that you start to look at. So if you type in and look up um, somebody or some topic, some perspective, the more you do that, the more that one idea or person or perspective is going to be flooding your screen. And I think our hearts and our ears do the same thing. The more that we hear and listen to a, a particular person or a perspective, the more our ears are going to be in tune to that idea and that opinion, and the more we will, uh, our hearts will be transformed, our minds will be conformed to that. And then what's the result? We are being discipled by that person or into that perspective. So Christ says, pay attention to what you hear and to whom you are listening. And church, God has given us his word. His word is truth. His word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. So we should be listening to the word. That's where we should be going for knowledge and truth and wisdom. Because as we go there and as we pour ourselves into the word, or as we, it talks about abiding in the word and having the word abide in you, as we have the word abide in us, to that measure that we are spending time in God's word, that is the measure that God is going to come back and give to us wisdom and faith and knowledge and truth. On the flip side, the more we listen to things outside of Scripture in perspectives that are contrary to Scripture, the more we're going to be listening to those things and distracted by those things. And then sometimes it's only later that we realize that we have been transformed by those voices. In Scripture, God warns against listening to false prophets. And it's 2023. So you might think that's not really that applicable anymore, but I disagree. There are plenty of false prophets speaking to the church today. They are often very loud and their voices are often very compelling. Sometimes uh, they might carry the title pastor or Bible teacher, but that's not always true. But these voices, these false um, prophets are uh, effective at leading people astray. Sometimes these false prophets 
have podcasts and books and a media presence and a great following. More typically, um, I think these false prophets often come to us at least in the form of social media and um, podcasts and cable news networks, politicians, entertainers, influencers. Who are you listening to? A lot of times these voices, uh, the voices of these men and women are to make much of themselves. But in making much of themselves, they are not making much of Christ. And therefore, they're very successful at drawing people away from Christ because they're drawing people towards themselves or their personality or their project or their, their perspective. Sometimes they also take the words of Scripture and they twist them to, for their own benefit. So pay attention to what you have. Because of the false prophets of the Old Testament and the scribes and the Pharisees of the New Testament wrap themselves in spiritual or so I should say religious clothing, if they wear spiritual masks, then we can assume the false prophets of today are going to do the same thing. So be on guard. What, how can we do that? How can we pay attention and be on guard? I would say let's just start by evaluating. Who am I listening to? What voices am I continually, day after day, allowing into my ears and into my heart? How much time are you spending in God's word? Or does social media um, grab more of your attention and more of your time than scripture? Does your 10 minutes of Bible reading in the morning get eclipsed by the hours and hours that you spend scrolling through Facebook or, or watching no nudging of your spouses or watching um, cable news networks? Because we can, we're really good, I think, at taking scripture and laying it on somebody else. But why don't we just lay it on ourselves and say, what am I listening to? Where am I spending my time? Who are the voices that I am allowing? And let the Holy Spirit do his job in our spouses and kids and the person in the Bible study class next to us. Pay attention to whom you're listening. In Mark chapter 8, verse 15, um, it's a similar word, but it's actually different than these three. Jesus cautioned his disciples saying, watch out. Oh, that's the same word, sorry. Watch out. And then the next word is different. Beware. Watch out is one of our words, but then beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So beware of that which seems religious, like the Pharisees, but is not. It's really just men or women proclaiming their own ideas, own opinions, own traditions, but they've just wrapped it up in spiritual language. In Mark chapter 12, again, he says, um, he warns against this. Mark chapter 12, verse 38, and Jesus, in his teaching, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. They like greetings in the marketplaces and they have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the feasts. These are they who devour widows' houses and for a pretense, they make long prayers. 
they will receive greater condemnation. So beware of those who claim spirituality, but their lives are in uh, direct contrast to what they're saying. Beware of those who aren't, don't care for the widow and the orphan and the poor and the foreigner, because God does. Let's remember the Pharisees and the scribes, they were the religious or the even political leaders of the day, but they were more focused on power, position, and money. So beware. These are leaders who were prideful and arrogant and they were hypocrites because their lives did not match even the words that they had said. So beware, take heed, pay attention because there's plenty of pastors or politicians or entertainers who are more focused on power and position and money and they want to draw you away from Christ. There are many ideas and many opinions in every culture, including the American church, that do not line up with biblical truth. That's what the first disciples had to face, right? The Pharisees and the scribes were the religious and the political leaders of the day, and they were espousing things that sounded right, but did not line up with scripture. So let's beware. And then also in Mark, I'm sorry, in Matthew um, chapter 7, Matthew 7, 15, just real quick, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Beware. Take heed. Pay attention. A false prophet is any voice that's turning your attention to someone or something other than Christ. So be on guard. Number two, be on guard about the end times. Jesus often uses these three words um, which are translated be on guard or pay attention or be vigilant. When he spoke about the end times, the end of the world. In fact, as we read through his messages about the end times, we would almost think like, wow, he is being really repetitive. Like Christ is redundant in what he is saying. Chapter 13 is where we're going to end up next of, of Mark is one long sermon. Mark is only 16 chapters or 15 and a half. And it is one whole chapter is focused on Jesus explaining the end times. This is like his last sermon to his disciples. What he's wanting them to grasp onto and hold onto in their pocket, not forget before he's taken to the cross. And we're going to see as we read through Mark 13, because we're going to read through Mark 13, he uses these words to pay attention, wake up, be vigilant seven times in one chapter. So let's go to Mark 13. And I'm going to read starting in verse 5. Jesus said, and Jesus began to say to them, see that no one, right there, see, that's that first word, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed, this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, there will be famines, but these are but the beginnings of the birth pains. But 
be on guard for they will deliver you over to councils. You'll be beaten in the synagogues. You will take a stand before governors and kings for my sake to be bear witness to, before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they try, and then when they bring you to trial and they deliver you over, don't be anxious beforehand about what you're going to say. Say what is ever given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit, Holy Spirit. Brother will deliver brother to death, father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand and let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who's on the housetop not go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let the one who's out in the field not turn back to get his cloak. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray it will not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the creation of the world until now and it never will be. If the Lord has not cut short those days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ. Or look, there he is. Don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will Arise, and they'll perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all these things beforehand. In those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and put out its leaves, you know, summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. And truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard. And it follows up with the second word of that. Stay or keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, he puts the servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to Stay awake. Therefore, now he's going to tell us what he wants us to do. Stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening, at midnight, when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you sleeping. And what I say to you, Jesus says, I say to all, stay awake. Seven times in that one chapter, he's telling us to be vigilant, to stay awake, to be aware, to be on guard over and over. And in, uh, the, in verse uh, five, it's 
Again, pay attention that no one leads you astray. Mark's gospel is the shortest gospel um, out of the four. How many times have we already seen him warning his people about false prophets? Pay attention to what you hear. They're going to lead you astray. Chapter 8, chapter 12, over and over, and all of chapter 13. Pay attention. Verse 9 says, be on guard. They're going to hand you over to, over to councils. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be my witnesses at that time. And these things will happen. And these things will accompany the arrival of the end times. But the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Look at that. Right in the middle of his sermon about the end times and being aware and being on guard, he points down to this truth that the gospel is going to be proclaimed. It says it must be proclaimed. It could also be translated, it is essential that it be proclaimed. It will happen, church. It is happening as we speak. Every day the gospel is going forth. Every day Christ is building his church. Every day the kingdom of God of which we are a part grows to new places, new tribes, tongues, and nations. And your church has a role in that. Your giving has a role in that. Your faithfulness has a role in that. Your, your love for one another has a role in that. Both here in Madeira and to the ends of the earth. After speaking in this sermon, after speaking about the abomination that causes desolation and false Christ, he says in verse 23, be on guard. I have told you all this beforehand. Jesus does not want to keep us in the dark. He doesn't want us to be a confusing thing. He's not trying to hide something from us. He gives us a fairly lengthy description of what the end will, uh, what the end will look like. And we are prone to think, yeah, but I have these other questions. And there's some, some, some confusion about these specific points about the end time. Christ isn't answering any of that in this chapter. His main focus in this last sermon in Mark 13 is the fact that you don't need to know all the details. You just need to be prepared. So church, be on guard. Be alert. Stay awake. Be vigilant in your walk with Christ. We are closer to his return now than we were yesterday. Amen? Recognize the signs that are happening all around us and recognize that these signs are moving us towards the time when Christ will return. We don't know, verse tells us right there, we don't know when he will return. The angels in heaven do not know. It says, nor the son, only the father. But as Christians, according to scripture, we believe in the imminent return of Christ, which means he will come at any moment, which means that we need to live each moment as if his return is next, coming next. It's the next thing to happen. So we should be ready. We should have lives that are ready. We should be on guard about the end times and about Christ's return. Because if we were on guard, if we were ready, that would have an impact on how we spend our time. And that would have an impact on how we spend our money. 
And that would have an impact on how we love each other. And that would have an impact on reconciling broken relationships within families or within church. If we lived on guard, ready for Christ's return, it would impact how we live. Sometimes life is hard and there's loss and grief and sorrow and trials beyond number. There's often brokenness and loneliness and emptiness, but being on guard about the end times or the fact that Christ is gonna return means that we should filter all of the hard things through the truth that Christ is coming back. We should filter everything through that filter, that lens that he will be victorious. We should filter all the junk that happens in our lives through the truth that he is preparing for us a home in heaven where we will be perfected and where there'll be no sorrow and no tears. And that joy will endure forever. So in his imminent return, let us find hope and joy. Verses 34 and 35 says, stay awake, stay alert, be vigilant over and over again. As if we weren't clear from the first six times that he had said that. The very last verse of the chapter, he says, and what I say to you, I say to everybody, stay awake or be vigilant about his return. I think sometimes we can look at the, we can look at the um, disciples and think they're pretty hard-headed. They're pretty dense. Three different times Christ had to tell them, I'm going to be killed and buried. It's okay because I'm going to be raised again. And they're like, I don't understand what he means. Even after he was raised from the dead, they're like, I don't understand what happened. Even here. Why is he seven times in this one sermon saying, be vigilant, be ready, stay awake? Because Christ knew that we would be prone to not be ready and not stay awake and not be on guard and not filter the things of our lives through the truth that he is coming back again. So church, let us be vigilant to live our lives in light of Christ's return. Okay, jumping down. Number three, we need to be vigilant in prayer. We need to be vigilant in prayer. Jesus's use of this word, be vigilant or be awake. After having seen that numerous times in chapter 13, I was reading, I got over to chapter 14. And wouldn't you know, he says it again and again and again, three more times. All in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's going to be arrested and taken away. And it's all about prayer. So let's read Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is sorrowful, even unto death. Remain here and watch or be vigilant. 
going a little farther, he fell down on the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. And yet he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found the disciples sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? And tells him, watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that happens right before he gets um, betrayed and, and taken. Be watchful and pray. Be watchful and pray. Be watchful, be vi- uh, vigilant in prayer. In this context, Jesus is sorrowful to the point of death. One of the other gospel writers says he was sweating as of drops of blood. And all he wanted in that moment of crisis and pressure was to pray himself and to have his friends pray. Could you not pray? Could you not watch for one hour? And I don't know about you, but I often neglect prayer or I often rush through prayer. Sometimes prayer is an afterthought rather than my first line of defense. So church, let's remember that prayer is our direct communication with Almighty God. We are welcomed into the throne room of heaven and told to come boldly before his throne of grace. We are told to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. And yet, sometimes I treat prayer like a chore and check it off my morning list. And to be honest, as I was going through Mark 13 and 14, that's why this word caught my attention. Because the Spirit convicted me that I don't pray as I ought to pray. I don't pray in watchfulness, in vigilance. I don't pray as I should. And as I was going through this, I could almost hear the Lord ask me, Mark, could you not watch? Could you not be vigilant in prayer for even one hour? And I I was convicted. Church, there's a lot happening in our lives and in our families and in this church and in this world. How could we not be in prayer? How could we not be on guard and be diligent and vigilant to pray? These two, be, be watchful or be vigilant and, and pray, they are connected here in the Garden of Gethsemane. <clears throat> and it led me to wonder if they were connected in other places in Scripture as well. And of course they are. In Colossians chapter 4, If you have that, you can turn there real quick. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Paul is writing, he says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. So he connects them. Prayer and being watchful in prayer. But as we continue, this being watchful is also connected to share in the gospel. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for 
uh, open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on, a which, on account of which I am in prison. Pray that I would make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you know how to answer everyone. And again, in Ephesians, the same thing. Be watchful in prayer, but also with sharing the gospel. Ephesians 6 Uh, starting in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. Same word. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So that's prayer. And then he goes, and also pray for me that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in change that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Church, if you've received our um, prayer updates every couple weeks, every month or so, um, throughout 2023, you know, I have a a prayer specific for each one of my kids, something that I want to see them grow in sanctification. And the next time I send an update, this is going to be our prayer for us, for Dana and I. I would ask that you would pray Ephesians 6, 18 and following for us. Pray that words may be, verse 19, pray that words may be given us in opening our mouths boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which we are ambassadors. Pray that we would declare boldly as we ought to speak. That is our request that you be praying for us. As I read through the gospel of Mark, scripture's repeated use of be on guard and watch and pay attention, it caught my attention and it convicted me. But I don't think it was a message just for the disciples or even just for me. It's in scripture because this is a message for his church at all times, at all places, until he comes again. The the apostles um, also pick up this word, be watchful, be vigilant in some of their uh, letters. First Peter 5.8. Peter was that first one, right? Peter, watch and pray. Peter takes up that same word about being watchful. First Peter 5.8. Be sober-minded, be watchful or vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Church, the enemy knows that his time is short and he's looking to devour. He's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And lastly, in uh, Acts chapter 20, Luke is writing, but he's writing Paul's words to the Ephesian church. He says this in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention attention. He starts it out with pay careful attention. Be vigilant to yourselves and to all the flock, to all the church in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And then he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from, um, from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things and draw them after themselves. Again, false prophets. And those were Paul's last words 
to a church that he loved dearly. Pay attention, be alert, be on guard. There are false prophets. So church, be on guard about whom, to whom you are listening. And then one final verse. This is the final instruction that Paul gives to the church in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 and 14 says, be watchful or be vigilant. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong, and let all you do be done in love. I have given you a verse to pray for us, Ephesians 6. And church, this is my prayer for you. 1 Corinthians 6, 13 to 14. That you would be vigilant, that you would be watchful. That you would stand firm in the faith, that you would act like men, be strong, and let all you do be done in love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge, the conviction that your word gives us. Lord, as we said from the beginning, your word uh, is, uh, all scripture is inspired by you and is useful for teaching us, for correcting us, for training us, for rebuking us, for transforming us and conforming us into the image of Christ. So Holy Spirit, we pray that your word today, tomorrow, the next day does just that. It continues to transform, conform us into the image of Christ, our King, our Master, our Lord. Father, we come before you as we move into actually a time of communion where we are remembering the body and blood of Christ as we are focusing our hearts and focusing our minds on the body. Lord, let us not forget the body of Christ is not just in this room. The body of Christ is in hundreds of languages and hundreds of countries all around the world. And so as we unify ourselves here with this body and blood of Christ, we are also unifying ourselves with the universal body of Christ. Lord, we love you and we serve you and we worship you and we give you praise. In Christ's name, amen.